Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. People long to find true love. They're searching every day. They wonder at the mystery of the fire that never burns away. Perhaps they say the spark that sets it springs from the things a lover's like on your first date. I advocate that you focus on all the many things you both hate. Hate is the basis of love. Despising is the wise thing for seeing if you see things eye to eye. Imagine hating raisins. Now everything has raisins. <laughs> you know, it's weird because I'm I'm reading the Harry book Spare, and like every song I hear, it sounds kind of like it's about the the book or the couple or, you know, I mean they are kind of united by the things that they hate, <laughs> mainly the rest of that family. Um, anyway, uh, today is an Ask or Tell Me Anything. The number is 888-720-WNPR. There's really kind of no guidelines about topics. 888-720-9677. That's the number you call. You can call up about anything. Kathy just did. Uh, and I've got, I don't know whether what I should do here. Okay, so I'll let the calls build up a little bit. Because um, I have two questions. I have one announcement. And then I have kind of a rant. And maybe I'll hold the rant so we can get some people on the air. My first question is, do you... Put the when you when you leave the house and there's nobody else in the house except your dog or cat, do you put the television on for them? And specifically, <laughs> do you pick out a specific thing for them to watch? Um, because I have to admit that I do. First of all, my dog Declan is almost never alone, uh, but on those rare occasions when my partner and I are both out of the house, um, I, he I, I put on the television for him. And, and I put on something called Rift Tracks, which is actually uh, on the Samsung Plus channel or something, which is kind of a, you know, a huge dump of stuff. Uh, but Rift Tracks is the old people from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and they're, like, making fun of stuff. And they just figure it's the same voices all the time. So, like, that'll be kind of reassuring to them. And there's a lot of talking and stuff. So, But I sort of wonder how eccentric that behavior is. That's my first question. My second question is, do printers just kind of not work anymore? Because I, here's my theory. I feel like nobody really prints anything out, right? I mean, hardly anybody ever prints anything out. Here at this company, people print out just insane amounts of stuff. Uh, but for the most part, <laughs> in fact, well, never mind. But um, but for the most part, I don't think printers work anymore. And I bought, I need to print out some things occasionally, or at least I think I need to print out some things. And I bought a brand new HP printer at Costco I don't know, a few months ago, and it just stopped printing. And I just feel like, I think at HP and Brother and all those places, they're thinking, look, nobody's using these things. 
they feel like we they have to we could put microwave oven stuff inside these things you know they just need the box to sit on the desk so they've got a printer but we don't really have to make sure that they print at all i, I feel like <laughs> either that well i don't know i just i've had a lot of problems i mean i got the new printer cuz the old printer stopped working which is the main reason people buy new printers by the way i think 95% of people who buy new printers did so because the old one stopped working um it's not like your car and you get tired of it. But anyway, I just I just wonder if they work, you know? Maybe they just maybe they think, well, they're going to print like 100 things tops, like 100 pages tops during the lifetime of this device. So, it doesn't have to be very durable. All right. So, those are my two questions. And now here's my announcement. We have a um I guess I'm supposed to announce this, I think, right? And we have a, we're hiring a 19-hour producer for this show. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff about it on social media and everything. I would just say that if you're um, interested in maybe working for the show and you have some radio skills, we need somebody who can really kind of get a show on the air. <laughs> I know that's a crazy thing. I know we're setting the bar high here. But we, we need to be able to get the show on the air. And also, we may put you in some kind of Donnie Brasco uh, kind of situation where you're undercover and you might get killed at any moment, too. That's That part is negotiable. Uh, like, if you really feel you don't want to be undercover, okay, fine. But anyway, so what you do is you write to Colin Show at ctpublic.org, right? That's correct, I think, Colin Show. Yeah, Colin Show, all one word, Colin Show at ctpublic.org, which, by the way, is an email address that we set up years ago, and then we, I think this is kind of true. I think we forgot, (laughs) I think we forgot that we ever did it. Uh, And then Lily Tyson, who was sent from another planet to help us, she's like, always like going around finding out things. That's what Lily Tyson does all day long. She like finds out things. She does that, she makes Google Docs. She just is like busy all day long. Um, and she found out <laughs> that we had this email address for listeners to write to us that nobody ever looked at, ever. Uh, and so she revived it. And now now if you send anything to Colin Show, Colin Show at ctpublic.org, including that you hate the show or whatever, somebody will read it and it'll get passed around and stuff like that. So that's good, right? That's a good thing. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, oh, he, Nicholas sending me a message about his dog, but his dog doesn't. His dog doesn't like the family and doesn't appreciate anything, right? The dog doesn't. Dog wishes it were somewhere else, right? Although probably it would hate everybody wherever else it was too. Um, so I don't think that dog is a good test market for this question, but um, but I could be wrong. All right, so all right, we're going to talk to Kathy. I have this rant I want to do, but since Kathy's on hold, I feel bad about that. So here's Kathy from Cheshire, the first caller of the day. You have the conch shell, Kathy. Hello, Colin. Hi. Hi. Um, I uh, like to talk a little bit about my experience with aging. My, I am a nurse, and uh, about two and a half years ago, at the tender age of 85, decided to move to independent living facility near me, having lived in my home for 30 years. I didn't raise any children there, uh, but uh, I decided it was time. I was tired of taking care of gutters and getting the snow plowed. Anyway, but change is not easy, so um, I'm glad I, I could do it 
while I still was able to do it and make decisions for myself. That was an important experience. I do believe that learning is a lifelong process, and I realize that the friendships that you make at this point in life are so different, and I didn't quite appreciate that till I moved here. When you meet people in this environment, you don't have a history of raising children together or uh, working together or, you know, living in your town or whatever. So it, it, it's unique. You, you start looking more specifically at the quality of your life, not the quantity. I have found this community that I'm in is extremely supportive, gratefully. And it's, I've been to more activities, whether it's the fitness program here, entertainment or whatever on site. It's, I just don't, I don't have to park a car, put on boots. I just go down the stairs anyway. But change is still difficult because at this time in life, <laughs> it uh, may be physical, may be mental or memory issues or losses in your life. So I'm, I realize each stage has a learning a learning curve, and it's steeper than you you anticipate until you're in it. I think that is true. I do think those kinds of places can be really, really terrific. And I've had the experience yeah. of knowing people. I used to have this friend named Mims Butterworth. I, I guess we were only friends, but I knew her for a really long time. And she moved no? she, she moved to Seabury uh, in Bloomfield. Okay. And then she would just say, "Oh, you know, yeah, we I." Yesterday, Mick Jagger, you know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards came and they, they played for us in the community room. Or so, and I would say, what? <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly a, a true example. But it was like that. Yeah. She would just describe all the stuff that was happening there. And I'd be thinking, I should move to Seabury just for the arts and culture scene and the hangs, the sweet hangs yeah. in the community room. It just sounds great. Yeah. But I think the other point you're making, Kathy, is a point that was made by a very wise man, Mr. Carp, my college friend. Uh, so Mr. Carp at his daughter's wedding said, as part of the toast, you don't get a new chance to make old friends. And I think that's really true. The, like Your old friends are a certain kind of thing, you know, and, and they yeah. almost are your old friends in many cases because they just were your friends, right? They, you, they were in your vicinity and you decided yeah. to accept and welcome them. And it wasn't like, oh, well, she likes five things that I like too. It was like, no, just like I've always known, you know, Nellie. And so she's always going to be my friend. So, but oh. now where you are, I'm going to let you talk in just a second. Uh, now where you are in your life and probably where you are in your independent community, when you pick out friends, it's kind of like, yeah, well, I mean, do I really feel like spending time with this person? Does this person have anything that interests me? Do we have anything in common? Yes, a little bit of that. And I think I've also, and as a nurse, I'm a little, was almost a little surprised. I've been quite struck by the resilience of the people here, the perseverance and attitude, whether they're with walkers or canes or wheelchairs or whatever, and I come such admiration for they get up and do and go, and I don't hear much whining, Colin. And that's quite amazing. I, I'm I'm struck by that. I'm impressed by it, and I'm very grateful for it. I'm so glad that all this is working out for you so well. I mean, it doesn't always for everybody, but you seem like no. uh, you have the kind of uh, spirit where you would embrace this kind of new phase of your life, and it all sounds terrific. And uh, lovely, lovely to talk to you, Kathy from Cheshire. All right, so the number, if anybody else wants to call, and by the way, it's fine if nobody does. You may recall the last time we did this, the phones didn't work for 35 minutes. I was fine. <laughs> I was fine with it. In fact, 
you know, we have coming aboard soon a new Where We Live host, but I don't think that that person's name has been announced yet. Uh, so I'm not going to say who they are, and I'm going to use they, so you don't even know the sex or anything like that. Um, so, but they and I agreed that we would have a conversation on Zoom or something about this. And I was sort of thinking about <laughs> what wisdom do I have to impart to a new daily talk show host? And I was thinking most of my wisdom has to do with how to survive disastrous situations, which I think I'm really good at. You know, I'm not sure I'm really good at anything else about talk shows. I think that's debatable whether I'm good at other things. But really, when the lights go out, when the phones don't work, when we can't reach the guest, when there's like when producers are out in the hallway running around holding their heads, going, oh, my God, this is terrible, I'm usually pretty happy. And I really do actually have a strategy for dealing with this, which I am going to tell to this new host. I don't know whether I should tell you or not what the strategy is. I'll, I'll tell you the first part of it, okay? Because it might actually work in other situations. It's not going to work in a genuinely serious situation where the stakes are high. And let's be honest. This is just, you know, we're just doing a Wednesday talk show right now. I could just chant Hare Krishna up until 2 o'clock and it really wouldn't make that much difference. I mean, I don't want to do that. I, like, I don't like if we lose the phones, we lose whatever. I don't want to suck, you know, but the truth is if I did, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> but here's the here's my first little piece of advice about this. When something like that is going wrong and you feel like you're under a lot of pressure and you're not really quite sure how you're going to get through it, but it's not you don't have a patient on the table or anything like that. It's not a high stakes situation. It just feels that way. The first thing that I always do, I swear to God, is I smile. I smile because it sends a message to my brain and possibly also to Cat Pastor and whoever is producing the show if they're in the studio, but mainly to my brain. And by the way, the only person who is harder to fluster than me anyway is Cat Pastor. I have yet, I think, in all these years to see her even remotely close to being flustered. But it send, if you smile, it sends a message to your brain that things are you know, maybe kind of okay. There's actually some research, I think, that various neurochemicals get released when you smile. I don't forget which one's dopamine probably. But um, so so that's the first thing you do. You just smile so you that you're telling yourself this is this is not that serious. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the rest of it. But um, OK, so here's the thing I want to rant about. So last week and by the way, as soon as you I'll stop ranting as soon as more people call in, you can bring up anything you want. You can the, the topic field is always wide open here. Uh, although it was very lovely that we began with Kathy and with that kind of kind of nice story about just life. Um, the number is 888-720-WNPR or 888-720-9677. You don't have to talk about whether you put the TV on for your pets. You don't have to talk about printers and whether they're any good or not. You can talk about whatever. The more you surprise me, the happier I am. I say that with some reservation. Okay, so um, – so last week, we decided, right at the end of the week, I think we decided, that this week, on Friday, on the nose, we would do something a little bit different, and we would focus pretty much the entire episode on Spare, which is the book by Prince Harry, and, and the accompanying phenomenon, you know, all, all the other stuff that's gone with it. And so kind of knowing what would happen, I put that up on Facebook just to see you know, if people had wanted to chime in with interesting things or kind of little side roads that they wanted us to take and look at specific parts of Prince Harry and Meghan, everybody else's scenery, whatever. And I also knew that there would be people say, saying, don't do this. 
Why are you doing this? You know, that kind of thing. I knew that that would be in there. I don't think I was quite – I mean, I have a large Facebook audience too. So I don't think I was fully prepared for the kind, the tone, the tone of responses telling me that not to do this. You know, and people just really being kind of mean. <laughs> uh, mean about Harry, mean about whatever. And this is stupid and it's trivial and why are you doing this? And change your mind and all this stuff. And if people want to waste their time. Blah, blah. And I've, first of all, the one thing I want to say about pe- when people always say, this is trivial, this is a waste of time, I would never listen to this because it's frivolous and, and it's stupid and it doesn't matter. And then you find out that they know like a lot about midichlorians and Star Wars or that they can name the entire starting lineup of the St. Louis Cardinals in 1967. Actually, I can do both of those <laughs> <laughs> Both of those things. But you see my point. Everybody has something really trivial that they're interested in, that stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens in baseball. It doesn't matter what happens in Star Wars. It doesn't matter what happens on the Kardashians. You know, and to a certain extent, it probably doesn't even really matter what happens with the royal family. But they're just people who just, they decide to care about this stuff. And that's fine. It is fine. You know, you should care about something that doesn't matter. Otherwise, you spend your whole life worrying about stuff that does matter. That's why you, <laughs> it's why you care about things that don't matter, because you need to. All right, so that's number one. Number two, Oh, good. We're going to have a printer conversation in just a second. So number two, the thing that really gets me, though, this time around is, okay, so this book is the fastest-selling hardcover book in history. I think it sold 1.4 million copies the first day. And, and you know, it's just going on from there. And their, their Netflix series, I think there's like 1 billion hours have been spent watching their Netflix series. It's just kind of them talking about their stuff. Uh, and, and 60 Minutes pulled, uh, um, I think, 11 million on the night that Harry, who he was on, which is a really – 60 Minutes is kind of back a little bit, but um, they haven't pulled 11 million in a really long time. Um, and, and then the next day streaming was like five times their, their norm and, you know, just all this kind of stuff. People are very interested in all this. You know, I mean, this is – so it's the fastest-selling nonfiction book in history – and it's, you know, going crazy on Netflix, going crazy on 60 Minutes. And we do a cultural roundtable and we shouldn't talk about that? I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't see that argument somehow. I mean, I just don't, like, even get how anybody would think that. It's, you know, somebody, somebody tweeted or answered or whatever, commented on Facebook. What are you going to do next, the Kardashians? Yes, we should. We've talked, been talking for years about doing an episode about the Kardashians, and we've never done it. And to my way of thinking, that's, that's our bad. We should do that because there's no such thing as a really bad topic. Well, there are. There are. <laughs> Actually, we have proven – I take that back. We have proven that there are such things as really bad topics. But, but like the Kardashians is not an inherently bad topic. It, there are ways to do an inherently bad show about the Kardashians, and I would even perhaps argue that the Kardashians themselves have found some of those ways. But you can also do a really good show about it, and you can do a really good show about Harry and Meghan and all this stuff, which we're going to try to do on Friday. And by the way, one thing that we're going to do that's really different from a lot of shows that I've listened to already talking about this book, Spare, and everything that goes along with it, we're actually going to read the book. (laughs) 
<laughs> we are reading the book. We have three panelists. Actually, most of us are. I don't know if it counts. There's a big debate about whether you can say you read a book if you're doing it as an audio book. Whatever it is, we are going to. Con- we are all consuming the book. We will have ingested the book by Friday. I just listened to The Pivot, which is a podcast I really like a lot because Scott Galloway is just brilliant, just an agile and funny mind. And Kara Swisher, her whole too cool, too cool for school thing gets a little tiring for me. But but it's a really interesting podcast. And they, they're in London right now. And they spent the first 15 minutes just talking, just hating on this book that they've never read. <laughs> so one of the ways that we are going to break fairly new ground on Friday is we will have all read the book. And then we're going to discuss it. Um, and I don't feel bad about that. All right. So we, we have <laughs> – I guess it's a good thing if I ask questions at the beginning of the show. People want, I'm just going to write, go right down the line here. Our number, 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677. Here's Mendel in West Hartford. Hi. Hey, Colin. Long time, first time. Oh, that's great. That's How good. you doing today? I, I, you know, I'm for a person of my age and constitution, I can't really complain. Okay, good. Then let's move on. Um, <laughs> so the whole printer thing, I've encountered that entire uh, uh, conundrum myself, and my parents had a refrigerator that lasted them 35 years, and my wife and I just bought one from PC Richards and a dishwasher, and I was like, what's the lifespan on this thing? And he said... Maybe six to eight years. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you should do an entire show on planned obsolescence. You know, I think we have talked about doing this. I think maybe Betsy Kaplan had the idea of an obsolescence show. I think it's a great idea, first of all. And I bet the guy at PC Richards said that in a way that he thought was pretty good, right? This is probably going to last you six to eight years. <laughs> well, I said, just be honest with me. He's like, and, you know, he's a South Asian man. I'm not going to imitate his yeah. accent, mm. but he was like, look, this this is the way that the world works now. They don't want to sell you something that you're going to have for 35 years because they want you to buy another one in six to eight years. Right. Well, the other thing is that the technology is more iterative, right? That, that like, you know, the one reason that your parents' old refrigerator could last 35 years is it had one job. Keep stuff cold. Keep the stuff in the freezer colder than the stuff in the rest of the refrigerator. So maybe two jobs. But now there's, right. they have smart technology in them. And smart technology is implicitly iterative. There's going to be another generation of it, you know, um, probably sooner than six to eight years. And so it doesn't really make any sense for them to sell you a refrigerator that will last 35 years because they already have something that's in the pipeline that they want to sell you that isn't this refrigerator. I don't know if ours is the smartest of technologies because when we switch it to ice, it has to think about it for a second. <laughs> it has a little little uh, LED readout that says, I'm mulling this over. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's that was great. I mean, first of all, I totally also, agree. Also, I applied for the uh, <clears throat> visible slash clandestine producer job. Did you really? Right after you announced it. Yeah, right okay. after you announced it. Well, I mean, you certainly um, – your vibe, uh, if I may say so, seems kind of appropriate for our show. So that's a, I mean, we don't we don't hire based on vibe. I don't think, but I don't go to a okay. lot of the meetings. Maybe we do. <laughs> Wait, you got our you got my contact information, and I love your show. And thanks for having me. On. All right. Well, thanks for calling. That was fun to talk about. Um, we actually, I so I kind of mean. Well, it's a long story. There's another apartment or condo that I just have to deal with sometimes, and. 
and it had a smart refrigerator. We got rid of it because, like, all it did was go wrong. And first of all, well, and don't get me started. I mean, like, really, all you should want your refrigerator do, to do is keep things cold. It doesn't really make sense to give it other jobs. Um, and the chances that it's going to fail at those jobs or succeed at those jobs at the expense of keeping things cold is very high. All right. Uh, here we go. Here we go. This is Dave from Lake Como, Ohio, uh, and uh, he's one of our regulars. Hi, Dave. Greetings, Colin. Long time. How have you been? Just fine. Okay. Um, I'm going to touch on the first topic you threw out there just to, uh, real quickly. Mm. Yes, we leave the TV on for our cat sometimes if we go out. Um, our cat is 19 and is almost totally blind now, and we'll just leave on whatever we have on the news. You know, st- who knows if she even hears it or or is comforted by it, but just on the theory that maybe it gives her a, a, a sort of aura of familiarity when we have to go out and run an errand. But, you know, so there's that. Right. Someday you're going to come uh, home from your errand and your cat's going to go, you know, Anderson Cooper is really smart. Uh, and you're like, wow, she was watching the whole time. Who knew? Anyway, go ahead. So far, we haven't come home and the, the channel's been changed. That yeah. would be scary. Yeah, that would be scary, yes. All right. Um, let me recommend something to you quickly. Mm-hmm. You probably like the guitarist Bill Frizzell like I do, yeah. jazz guitarist. There is a wonderful, fairly new book on him called Beautiful Bill Frizzell, Beautiful Dreamer by Philip, I forget his name now, highly recommended read. Hmm. And... I'm go- sounds like I'm going through my shopping list here. But finally, I just had a question. Um, there was a challenge to the Connecticut gun laws that was, you know, announced with much fanfare maybe, what, three months ago. And it seems to – I can't find any references to where that is now in the news. Do you know anything no, about – off the top of my head, I don't know. But, I mean, a challenge, you know uh, – um, and well, I don't even know. I don't even know the structure of the challenge. So, but these things do take a lot of time. Yeah. So, um, you know, my guess yeah. is, you know, and we've been going through the holiday season where the courts, the judges aren't any more active than anybody else during the holiday season. So, um, yeah. it'd be a while. But I'll keep an eye on that one for you, Dave. I, I promise, and we will uh, <laughs> we will bring you up to date on that uh, as best we can. All right. Wow, the show's going by really fast. Um, so we have on the line Jane, Joe, Lisa, Megan. Uh, and uh, so we'll we'll uh, take a little break. We'll come back. We'll take some of those calls. We'll take some of your calls. I'll I'll laugh. I'll cry. All that stuff. Oh baby, what I couldn't do with plenty of money and you, in spite of the worry that money brings. Just a little filthy lucre buys a lot of things that I could take. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford Healthcare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford Healthcare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. 
ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed. And in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string. I'd say that I had spring fever, but I know it isn't spring. I am starry eyed and vaguely discontented. One of my favorite songs. I just encountered this fairly new version today. Karen Allison's was my favorite before this. But all right. So here we are. We're back. I'm Colin. It's Ask or Tell Me Anything. We just give out the phone number 888-720-WNPR. You call in 888-720-9677. The, the same number, basically. Um, all right. So I'm going to go down here to Megan in Glastonbury. Hi, Megan. Hi, Colin. How are you? Just fine. I wanted to call in and say, first, thank you. Um, I own a business that you mentioned in one of your shows a few weeks ago when you were talking about the resurgence of independent bookstores. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Riverbend in West Hartford, and we so appreciate that because some of your listeners came in. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I just want to I, I, let me just pause, <laughs> Megan, and, and validate you um, and just say it's it's such a joy to come into a bookstore. I just I didn't realize how much I've missed it. Now, part of it is during the pandemic. I haven't been anywhere. So there's that. But um, but just to go into a store and like, as I think I said that, that on that occasion, to have like the little cards up that says says these are the books that Veronica likes or whatever. I just to me, that's so much more fun than an algorithm telling me what books I would probably like. So it is. It was a joy, and it's well stocked, and there's stuff in there that you you know you could browse and find a book that you didn't know existed, which is in fact what I did that day. And so it is great. Anyway, continue. Well, that is awesome. Thank you so much, and you totally made Veronica's day. <laughs> And um, I just thought I'd weigh in on two topics that you were discussing today. One, as a small business owner, the absolute worst part of your job is being responsible for the upkeep of so many printers uh, that it's like if you could live without printers, we should just all try that. That would be miraculous. Yeah, well, good. Print- I'm glad I'm not the. I mean, I'm I'm sorry that that's happening to you, but I'm glad I'm not the only person experiencing this. <laughs> Definitely not. You're not alone. And then the Prince Harry book is like nothing I have ever seen in the shop. We, of course, have a stack of it face out, his handsome face looking at you from the shelves. It is so controversial, and it does not matter what someone, what you think somebody's opinion about Prince Harry is. When they ask you what you think of the book, your answer is wrong, and they will tell you all the reasons why. <laughs> and so we just say we just enjoy looking at his handsome face there we'll leave the reading to you uh because people are so so heated about whether we should have it whether anybody should read it whether it should be required reading it's crazy you know i i don't want to sort of i'll get in trouble with mcpants if i spoil too much about what we're going to say on friday but i i will say two two things one of them was i went into this thinking i wasn't going to like it um and, and i went into it 
and I had tried to watch the Netflix thing, and I thought this is stupid. Uh, and but then because of the incredible level of excitement that the thing generated, we just thought, okay, well, we should do the show. So I'm a ways into the book now, and I have to say, I. Uh, he's sort of he or his very 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 talented ghostwriter. Uh, they're winning me over, you know. And, and I think, you know, they are making the case that this is a very compelling story. My a friend of mine, I don't know whether he wants to be credited for this or not, so I won't say who said it to me. But uh, he said, you know what this is? This is like the dynastic wars of the past uh, that that had consumed you know, hundreds of centuries of European history. It's just that they're not using swords and trebuchets anymore. They're using words and information. Uh, but it's just, it's kind of that kind of fight. And we've always been interested in that kind of fight. We spend a lot of time in history classes you know, looking at that kind of fight. And I think that is true. It's sort of Game of Thrones, but all they're doing is talking. <laughs> well, I'm here for it, and uh, I appreciate you talking about books and bookstores. Thanks, Colin. All right. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, opening. Uh, there's one in West Hartford and one in Glastonbury, and that's really great. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go up the ladder here, and here's Lisa in Lebanon. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Colin. I'm, I'm calling today with a pet peeve. Okay. And my pet peeve is people that release balloons. I live on a really large farm with a big herd of cows, and when people release balloons, they travel up in the air, and I don't know how far a balloon can go, drift, but they eventually deflate, and then they come down and they land in our cow pastures. And cows aren't very discerning when they're just munching along. They swallow these balloons and these long strings, that mm. ribbons that hang from them. And so are you, are you with me? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, okay. And so um, when I'm out in the pastures checking the cattle, I'll see uh, one of our animals with a long string hanging out their mouth. And mm. so that means I have to call up a bunch of help, mm. bring these cattle through sometimes several pastures into the barnyard, put them in the chute. It's really, really hard to open up a cow's mouth. They're yeah. not like cats and dogs. And try to get this string in this deflated balloon out. And most of the time we can't do it. Um, we try our best, mm -hmm. but, um, it, and, and sometimes we notice cows getting, or heifers getting really thin and we're not sure why mm -hmm. a lot of people throw trash out their windows and they end up in the pastures and the cows swallow all kinds of things. We can put a magnet in them, which can attract metal objects, but, um, Anyway, I don't think pe when people release them, they know anything about this. And I just wanted to bring it to people's attention. Please don't release your balloons. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a really, really good point. I will say that, you know, years and years ago in the late 90s when my father died, we did release balloons at his funeral. I mean, like three of them, I think. But but I wouldn't do that again. Uh, I mean, for re the reasons that you just outlined and other hazards to wildlife, as you know, uh, as well as domestic uh, cattle. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're making this point because it's people don't think about it, and they're they're not being mean or anything like that. They just don't really think about where the balloon's going to go or who or what is going to eat it. So that sounds terrible, though. I mean, it sounds like a much worse problem. For, fortunately, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, it happens pretty frequently, yeah. and I don't know that a balloon released in Hartford can make it all the way out to Lebanon. No, probably not. But, uh, but um, anyway, I just... I'm sure people don't think about it. It's not intentional. Yeah. But when you're traveling along beside these pastures and hayfields, 
don't throw your trash out the window and please don't release balloons. <laughs> right. No, you're probably getting, you know, at the most willamantic balloons, but but probably not even those. I don't know where your balloons are coming Colchester, from. Colchester, whatever. Colchester. You know, they are balloon crazy in Colchester, too. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but, um, no, it's like, and fortunately these days, Lisa, I, after watching four seasons of Yellowstone, I'm kind of an expert on ranching now. You know, I mean, I really oh. know quite a bit. Uh, about cattle, and I feel like I probably could just take over a ranch and run it based on what I've learned from John Dutton uh, over the years. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to add this to my vast store of knowledge about livestock. And yeah, don't release your balloons, and don't throw trash. Well, don't throw trash out your window anyway. You know, even if cows are not going to eat it, don't throw trash out your window. I mean, come on. I actually see that every once in a while. I, on one occasion, I pulled up behind a car, next to a car, and I rolled down my window, and I, I said to the people, you know, I live in this neighborhood. Can you not throw stuff out the window? And that just turned out to be a really big mistake. Afterwards, people told me, you know, people get shot doing that, uh, which probably is true. Okay, so um, what should I do here? I feel like maybe we should take our break now so we'll have a little bit of breathing room on the other side of it. So we've got uh, on the line Ray, Gary, and Jane. And we will – oh, there's like another balloon call even. Uh, and we will uh, – let's take our break now. We'll come back. We'll talk to them. Well, you couldn't be good if you've never been bad. You couldn't keep cool if you've never gone mad. You couldn't be glum if you've never been glad. And lemons give you lemonade. If you don't do the work, you'll never get paid. If you don't have the crowd, there's no parade. It may be trite, and I know it's cliched, but lemons give you lemonade. And thanks to Cat Pastor, she's our technical producer today and most days, most good days, we have Cat Pastor. Uh, and uh, the uh, aforementioned producer of today's episode is Jonathan McPants. Uh, he's also the producer of The Nose on Friday when we're talking about Harry. Tomorrow, by the way, we're doing a show about home tests, which I admit that doesn't sound all that sexy, but I think we found a way to do it that'll be really good. So I'm kind of excited about the show and the way it's worked out. Okay. So meanwhile, it's Ask or Tell Me Anything. Probably have time to get a couple of extra calls on the board that aren't there right now. Uh, 888-720-WNPR. That's 888-720-9677. I'm going to start at the top of the board. We've got Ray, then Gary, then Jane. I think that's the right order, too. Uh, all right. Uh, Ray, you have the floor. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Now, this is a, hmm, I'm going to approach this carefully. And let me first off by saying, maybe it's me, but the new MLK statue in Boston, I don't know. Let me just ask, what was your first reaction when when, when it was unveiled and you first saw it? Because I, I, I don't want to say I, I don't like it, but. If you have to go through a lot of interpretation to really see what the artist meant, you know, again, maybe it's a shallow art appreciation on my part, but I like to see the, the runner-up and the, <laughs> the, the third, fourth, and fifth place and just how those this was better than, than, than those because, I don't know, this wasn't a very strong... Mm. No, I know what you're saying. So first of all, let's step back and and allow ourselves a little bit of of agnosticism and humility and say probably we need to go up there and walk around it, walk around it 360 degrees and really kind of get a sense. Because what what we're doing is we're seeing 
I haven't seen television coverage. Maybe they do that. But what I've seen is a lot of still pictures of it, and that doesn't tell me anything. Or it tells me, I mean, I'm having the same reaction to that you're having, which is, wow, it, it is, you know, it's 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 meant to be an embrace. It's really about MLK and Coretta Scott King. Uh, yet the way that it's done is such a strange use, at least to to these eyes looking at a still picture, a strange use of form and shape and positioning as to be a little bit off-putting. And and then the kind of the, I, there's sort of almost a neo-brutalist kind of look to the whole thing, which is not what you really want in that situation. But uh, I, I think... And yet some of the angles that the still shots show are just, you know, brutal. You know, online, of course, the trolls have a lot to say, but but really, uh, I have a solution, though. What's I don't that? know if you're familiar with Fairmount Park in Philadelphia. They have these whispering benches, kind of quarter circles that allow you to just whisper and 50 feet away... A person can hear a slight whisper. They can bury this this statue in Boston, not underground, but about halfway, and build kind of a whispering bench within it, um, and build a real, you know, statue of Martin that embraced that this statue, you know, was interpreted by where he won the Nobel Prize. Actually, erect that, you know, erect it two times larger than life to reflect the two of them together. You know, I would say, given given the history of race in Boston. They are not going to be burying any statue too. of Martin Luther King anytime soon. <laughs> no matter how, never for what reason, that that's probably not going to happen. I would just say all, this other thing, too, and I want to make sure the other people get on the air. But, you know, we did an entire show about public monuments sometime in the last 12 months. And I don't remember that much about it. But, you know, we really did try to talk about things like the Vietnam Memorial in, in D.C. And there's a way in which public monuments, if all they do is kind of recapitulate our existing aesthetics, then they probably don't say very much, right? Like another, what, I mean, the reason, one reason to tear down a Robert E. Lee statue is the obvious one. But the other reason is these are not good statues anymore. They're not interesting statues. They're just like they're taking up space. Um, and so I think, you know, this particular statue was commissioned a long time ago. I think the artist was picked in 2018. So the whole thing has been gestating over five years. And, you know, I mean, I, I what I've seen of it, it doesn't really grab me. But I think the idea is to challenge you. Um, you know, we, anybody can go and find, you know, walk around Rome and find some old statue that, you know, looks the way we think statues look or should look. And I think the idea is to challenge you, make you ask questions and stuff like that. So I respect that. And, you know, in the, the earliest opportunity, I will uh, go and look at it for real. You know, um, Hartford actually has like this whole sculpture area. It's sort of down by the river, down by the sort of the quote unquote riverfront area, the riverfront recapture, <laughs> which unfortunately I don't think really sort of lives up to its name. But there's really a pretty interesting statue area, area there. And there's like a statue walk even. You walk around. And like one of them is by Don Gummer, who is famous for lots of different things, including marrying Meryl Streep and being father to a whole bunch of people named Governor who are now actors. Uh, but the statue is also very, very, I mean, he's really a, like, you know, a legit sculptor too. So statue is very interesting. Um, so anyway, I, I think we need to open our minds. It's like, this is my, this is the drum I'm beating this week anyway. Because like, when we announced this whole thing about doing the show on Friday about Prince Harry and Spear, there always people, oh, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> they're, they're pampered idiots. And I'm thinking, you haven't read the book. Calm down. Just, <laughs> Okay, we get it. We get it that you have this reflexive sense of superiority to the whole topic, which I don't really necessarily buy, but I get that you have it. But just calm down and, 
you know, take a breath, maybe like read, I don't know, 100 pages of the book and see if you still feel the same way. And I guess I feel that way about the statue, too. We should all calm down. Give it a little bit of time. It's not going anywhere. They're not going to move it. They're not going to bury it. <laughs> Nothing like that is happening. So you got plenty of time to decide how you really feel about it. Uh, but I get the shock of the new, you know, and the shock of the new is often a kind of unpleasant sensation. So I, 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 I hear you. All right. Here we are with Gary and we got Jane and maybe the show will be over at that point. I have no idea. Hi, Gary. You're going to talk about balloons, right? Yes, I am. Uh, for several years now, I've been uh, speaking to um, Christine Cohen, our senator up in Hartford, who is the chair of the Environmental Committee, about having a bill passed banning the sale and outdoor display of gas-filled balloons. And uh, whereas the caller uh, earlier t- spoke about the problem with, with her cows, it is a much wider and, and bigger problem. Uh, I'm a uh, boater, and I'm out on Long Island Sound in the Greenwich area, and I pick up balloons by the handful. Uh, one day I picked up 14 balloons. Um, I, I currently have a collection of several hundred balloons that I wanted to show to, to, uh, to Senator Cohen. Um, but if a, a boat engine sucks up a, a balloon, it can burn out the engine. Mm. Um, I spoke to our prior uh, state, state Senator Scott France, who was a pilot. Uh, he says that he sees balloons up in the air when he flies, and if a plane sucked it in, it would be a catastrophic issue. Um, another uh, problem with, with the balloons is that if they contact an electrical wire, it can blow out an entire electric circuit, and that has happened many, many times. Um, helium is a rare resource. It's used in the, for medical and sci- scientific purposes, and the cost has escalated to the point that Party City has announced that they're closing many of their stores because of the scarcity. Um, I know people like to celebrate, but they can easily get a lawn sign. You know, con- congratulations, uh, Colin, class of 2022, uh, graduate, whatever. And when they're done, they can re- re- recycle that. Um, and Kurt Johnson, uh, former president of Save the Sound, has, has referred to this issue as the low-hanging fruit. It should be very easy to pass. All right. Well, this will be fascinating to watch. First of all, you make a very compelling and well-organized case. And I assume that, well, I mean, I think I even know, but I assume that everything that Lisa was saying about her cows is also true for all kinds of sea life, probably, especially, you know, larger sea life that could eat this stuff, you know. Certainly. So, yeah. Um, So it's not just boats and planes and electrical wires. It might even be other living creatures. So, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. At the moment, I stand very convinced that, that balloons are perhaps one of the most easily remediable problems facing mankind. <laughs> There's so many problems we probably can't do anything about, you know, but we could probably get rid of balloons, and it sounds like they're horrible. Um, there's some guy who's listening right now who runs a balloon shop, and I'm sorry. Uh, and, like, well, I don't know, maybe the, maybe a, a attached to the bill that Gary's talking about is there has to be some kind of plan <laughs> to find you a new job, a new non-balloon industry job. Um We'll take care of you, all right? We're not, we don't hate you. We just hate your balloons. Um, all right, here's Jane in New Milford. Hi, Jane. Hi, how are you? Just fine. Um, so, listen, I, I have something that, it might be a pet peeve, but I actually feel like I live in a, a town that's more like a Carl Hyacinth book set in Connecticut, and I don't know if other towns are like this, but uh, 
the town has a person who videotapes the um, town council meetings and then uses the video snippets of them with commentary on YouTube where he's monetizing them and intimidating people. And my point is that I think this really discourages the public from coming to uh, public meetings that are, you know, on a, a monthly basis or a twice-monthly basis. I don't think it's good for democracy. It's kind of a MAGA town. Um, you know, I have to expect to see Marjorie Taylor Greene walking around the green one day. I really do. She's too busy. Uh, She's got so, too many too many committee assignments now. She yeah, can't get to the Yeah, and I think um, it's kind of hypocritical because all over the town you're going to see signs posted that say, be kind. And, you know, the mayor and the MAGAs who, the Republicans, I shouldn't say MAGAs, but who control the town are fully aware of this. And I just think in a, an era where we have so little local news left, that if you discourage the public by doing this or allowing it or looking the other way, you know, you're not going to have any participation. People are just going to say, oh, screw it, I'm not coming, because they're going to videotape me and then put it on their YouTube channel with somebody making commentary and snippets that are taken out of context. So that's my, my pet peeve, or, or thanks for letting me air dirty laundry of the town. Right. It's a very, it's an interesting pet peeve, and I think it's a good pet peeve. Um, and although I wouldn't have guessed New Milford, Carl Hyacin, I don't know. I just the, the, those don't go together in my mind. But uh, I believe you. I take your word for it. I mean, the problem is it might be a pet peeve without an obvious remedy. I mean, what do you do? You can't. I mean, the, these kind of these meetings are kind of essentially in the quote unquote public dom- domain, right? They're uh, you know they're subject to sunlight sunlight laws and sunshine laws and all this kind of stuff. They it just seems like you what what could you possibly do by way of a policy? Uh, to stop the YouTube nasty guy. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, you can't tell him he can't use it. He can't, can't repurpose, you know, stuff from public meetings. So it's a really interesting. I mean, I like problems that don't have easy solutions. So I'm glad that you brought this one up. But I, I don't know what you can do that wouldn't you know, immediately be overturnable. Um, just tell him to stop doing it, maybe. <laughs> I think we know how well that works. Uh, but yeah, so thanks. Oh, she's gone. I think she wanted a remedy, and I said there wasn't one. All right. So we're pretty much done here. Um, just a review. Uh, if, you, if you tuned in late, um, we do have a position open for 19 hours of being a producer of this show. Uh, and we'll tell you much more about it if you decide you're interested in it. And you would uh, express your interest. All you have to do, you don't have to send us your resume or your arrest records or anything yet. All you would have to do is send us an email at Show. C-O-L-I-N-S-H-O-W at ctpublic.org. And we would be very interested to see what you have to say for yourself. All right. Uh, Time to say goodbye. Time to break up the music. Goodbye. Goodbye to Pants, to Cat, to everybody else. And thanks for listening. Thank you.